Hello, and welcome to One Stop Co-op Shop, your one stop for board game news and reviews. Hold on to your pants, it's time for a special episode. Hey, this is Mike with a quick lead into this episode. If you didn't hear from last week's episode, Jason Perez of Shelf Stories and formerly of Every Night is Game Night, he's coming on as a regular for our podcast, which means he'll sometimes have a second episode in a week, which is what we have this time. And for most of the podcasts he's co-hosting or contributing to, you can check out the video on Shelf Stories. Just look at the information in the podcast for the link. But before we get to the episode, I'd like to thank some of our amazing Patreon supporters, Today I'm going to thank Vince12, a co-op fan, Tennyson, a co-op MVP, and Bernard Godfrey, a co-op lover. Thanks to Vince, Tennyson, and Bernard, and all of you who help us to put on the show. And speaking of Patreon, one of the reward levels for our supporters is to have a message right on the air. So this one comes from Hannah. Hello from me and my board gaming cat from Czech Republic to all the co-op fans in this wonderful community. And thank you, Hannah, for the kind message, and it's been great talking to you on our Discord channel. All right, but enough of that. Let's get to our conversation about Dire Alliance. Yo, my peoples, what's up? Welcome back to Shelf Stories, the channel that tells tales from games, books, and life. I am your host, Jason. Thank you so, so much for stopping by to the party. Look at all these handsome faces on a Zoom call who are going to be with you for the next, whoever along we feel like it. Um, <laughs> we are chatting. This is a preview series. Uh, I used to do these on Every Night's Game Night all the time. And uh, for those of you who would want to listen to the old show, um, you will recognize that I have two gentlemen who, are, who have been on for every single Blacklist game. Uh, happy to have them on and continuing the tradition, not only of reviewing Blacklist games, but sharing a top three of something very silly. So <laughs> go ahead and stay tuned for that. But let me not belabor the point anymore. I'm happy to welcome the Saddlers. On the top, I have Adam Sadler. Go ahead and introduce yourself to the peoples. Hello, how's it going? He is the twin with the short hair, the twin with the big, bushy, long hair, who di- can't wait for 2020 to end because <laughs> of all the <laughs> madness and the insanity. That is Brady Sadler. Say hey, hello to the people. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And helping me out for the One Stop Co-op Shop, I always have somebody with me to help interview the Saddlers, have fun. We had Derek Rodriguez. We had Mike Delisio, We had Liz Davidson. Added to this illustrious star-studded lineup is Michael Kelly from the One Stop Co-op Shop. Welcome to the show, my man. Thanks for having me here, Jason. Really uh, excited to join the conversation. We are not talking about a modular deck system game for the first time in about seven games. In <laughs> 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 fact, matter of fact, here we go. <laughs> there, it is. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I, did, I did not Number do that on purpose. <laughs> I have video evidence <laughs> that these have been there the entire time. I got, so I got all my MDS games, at least the ones that are released right now, but we're not talking about that. We are talking about a new Kickstarter that is going to launch very, very soon as of the posting of this video. It is Dire Alliance colon horror. Got to get the colon in there. Yeah. It means we're going to get Dire Alliance other things. Yes. <laughs> Dire Alliance the sitcom. Right. <laughs> Spaceballs, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> the breakfast cereal. We went the same place, the breakfast cereal. <laughs> uh, the latest game, which is a, a card game for one to four players, plays competitively and cooperatively. We are going to break down all of that uh, in this preview series episode. So um, – before we get to Dire Alliance, um, I think I would I want to kind of set the scene and talk about Blacklist because it's been a very interesting year for Blacklist. 
um, you guys had Kickstarter after Kickstarter after Kickstarter. They, they just came like, you know, one after the other, you know, really pumping out games, getting content up there. And then it kind of slowed down with everything with COVID. And there was a, a little bit of a kind of brouhaha with like shipping and stuff. And now you guys are back. So maybe talk a little bit about, you know, you know they're, they're, talk a little bit about the journey <laughs> and uh, how you guys were able to kind of like, you know, go through this stuff and then get back to get back on track. Yeah, sure. Uh, Adam, Adam, I'll let you pick up where I leave off here because I'm just going to mention that, you know, we had um, several successful Kickstarters that allowed Adam and I to come on full time. Um, so that's, that was great. That was a, a, a weird transition for us coming back into games full time because we were, you know, doing it as like a kind of just a, a night gig for a long time. Um, but the, the street, uh, ironically, uh, Street Masters Aftershock, the big Kickstarter, which was in, remind me, was it 20? 19 2018 2018 was fulfilled yeah 2019 so that was the one that allowed us to come on full-time um and that's the one that hit a lot of uh hiccups as far as fulfillment goes um and there's a lot of you know really boring logistical stuff that we can't even fully explain yet because we're still investigating where a lot of the things went wrong but adam you probably have more experience on handling the, the customer service into that so if you want to touch on a high level like you know that whole well, yeah i mean it's, essentially we won't get too into the details but essentially right. We had issues with our fulfillment partner. Uh, we, we had a black box uh, fulfilling the Kickstarter. There was an issue early on where they, they didn't send stretch goals to a bunch of people. And then when they tried to fix it, they sent stretch goals to the people who already had them. So they doubled up on some people. Without and, telling us they'd been bought and like they oops. were going through a beat. Yeah. <laughs> acquired. We, we find out after all this back and forth and stuff and missing inventory and all this stuff that they had been acquired by AdMagic and then Ad Magic had to deal with all their new customers, and I don't think we were very high on their list. Lots and lots of back and forth, you know, trying to figure things out. We got to the point where we, we said, you know what, we're just going to send inventory to Quartermaster Logistics, our new fulfillment partner for our projects going forward, and they're going to help us out sending out these missing stretch goals. And anybody who's missing anything else, we're going to be doing a full-on reprint of Street Master, all of Street Master's inventory. Um, Actually, this month, we're going to, around Essen time, we're going to put up a, a pre-order for all our Street Masters inventory. And with that pre-order, we're going to make sure everybody who's missing something gets what they have. Plus, they're going to get a free little expansion because we have a couple new Street Masters products that we're going to release as well. So yeah, that's, and, that's, and since then, Street Masters mess. <laughs> yeah, and then since then, like the, during that whole, like, you know, escapade, um, we actually managed to put another Kickstarter out, um, which was one of my, like, probably the most probably the design I'm most proud of, um, Hour of Need, that was funded last fall. Um, so that's getting close. We're getting all the files ready to print. So it's going to be delivering probably not like at the same time, but pretty close to what um, is also shipping the Fantasy Series 1 miniatures, which finished up this summer. Um, so those are hopefully going to be kind of simultaneously getting out to all the backers. But um, really stoked about those projects. Really excited. And that's what led us and to the next one coming up. A funny, ironic note about Hour of Need is I think it's one of our best games as a company at this point, And it's also our lowest funded. So it's kind of ironic. Wait, was, <laughs> I keep, I forget though. Is it, it's higher than street masters it's, one though, right? No, it's lower. It mm -hmm. wasn't. I thought yeah. it was like, I thought it, uh, street street masters masters, was like, the first street masters was like one seventy or something. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, but, you guys um, totally left out a uh, altar quest, right? That's yeah, one that of the ones well, I'm most excited about. Yeah. yeah that one's, that's that one's really close to fulfilling now. It's with quartermaster. They're waiting on it at their warehouse and we're really excited to get that one out there. Um, but yeah, we haven't, had much to talk about with that other than just waiting on the boat you know that's well, yeah, we'll be doing <laughs> uh, we'll be doing a video of that one soon because we were we were playing adam and i were playing some, some recently we played some encounters it's been a while kind of brushing back up on it but 
it's it's awesome. If you like yeah. masters, you will love the uh, the altar quest encounters. Mike the, will have one on the one stop co-op shop. I will have one on shelf storage. You are going to be covered in hour of need. And I was yeah. well, actually not hour of need. Altar quest. I was going to say that about hour of need. You you forgot to mention Adam. You had the genius um, foresight to release at the same time as Marvel Champions. <laughs> <laughs> and then we I had, was you would not believe Brady how angry out there, cha- I was out there championing Marvel Champions to the world. And I was like That's the best right. game ever. <laughs> yeah, it was weird though because we went to Gen Con that year, and I I mean Adam and I know a lot about what's going on. I've had Jinx. We work for we work on projects with him a lot. But and I went to Gen Con totally blindsided. I had no idea they had that the IP. Even though a bunch of insiders were like, "You're gonna love this next game we're doing." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Oh, I was trying to guess what IP they might have." I'm like, "You don't. Have, there's no way you have Marvel. You don't have Marvel. It's got to be no. something else." And and then it was Marvel, and I was like, "We were like already starting the process of putting our need out on Kickstarter." I was like, "Oh." but it's at least you know more superheroes the merrier so (laughs) so speaking of brady championing um i think the first time i heard about uh undaunted so let's we can shift over to um dire alliance so i remember brady posts a lot if you follow Brady on, on Facebook, he's posting all the time. Don't uh, Adam Don't posts that. too. Don't Adam posts too, but it's like, it's all like 90% Warhammer. and <laughs> 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 Brady posts the actual board games. <laughs> um, I remember you loving on the Normandy, uh, on the Undaunted Normandy system. And I imagine that like the Dire Alliance, which is based on the Undaunted card system, which there, I think there's three releases so far. Yep. Um, a, 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 a light soon. war game in the... Um, just like iterating on different like, uh, you know, war scenarios. Mm. So then uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how that marriage came about for this new game, which is Dire Alliance. Yeah, yeah. The funny story about that is I was actually playing. Um, I actually set up um, Undaunted Normandy because I got recommended a lot by people. Uh, Jeremy Salinas from Man vs. People, he's a local guy. Um, he kept just saying, you're going to love this game. You got to try it out. And I do like a lot of World War II stuff. So And it was a you know cheap game, so I checked it out. Um, I was reading the rules. like I was like, there's gotta be something else in this game. I mean, what, what's, what else is there? You know, how can this be that great? You know, but I set it up and I played with my daughter and I was like, man, this is, this is so cool. And I kept thinking in my head, like as much as I love this theme and everything, this whole experience would be so cool to like have a, a more of a kind of a chunky adventure or something in this, you know, kind of, area arena um and i just randomly tweeted out like you know a picture of me and riley playing and and i tagged um david thompson the designer because i had talked to him sometime previously i forget about what um but i was just like oh i would love to do a uh, like a adventure game like this or something. And then he messaged me and he's like, Hey, uh, let's, let's talk about that. You know? So we got to <laughs> chatting more and he brought Trevor in and we were just, uh, let's, let's, let's figure something out. So we had a bunch of ideas about what we want to do together. We want to collaborate on something. Um, initially we were just going to have them come in and, you know, design a game, but then they really wanted to collaborate and, and have us do like a co-op solo thing. That's, that's kind of our, our deal, you know, mm-hmm. co-op solo stuff. Um, so yeah, it, after all these different iterations of different projects, we were, we were kind of conceiving, um, we fell on a timing thing where it's like, you know, the fantasy series one miniatures are doing fantastic. We kind of need to follow up on something like that. And we would be landing somewhere in the Halloween time. And I'm, I've been really wanting to do a horror game. So it kind of just fell together and we just started building that IP out and, and just figuring out what kind of like horror we wanted it to be and everything. And it just kind of steamrolled from there. Uh, Mike, had you played on, um, Undaunted. I keep, I keep on wanting to say Normandy Undaunted. <laughs> I hate when the words bleed together. But had you played, well, and, and just don't call it unmatched because then we'll really get confused. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> had you played? Uh, that's why I, I was like, okay, why is Brady loving on Unmatched? It's okay, but <laughs> but had you so, played it so, uh, before then? The, the, the funny thing is, um, 
So just full disclaimer, like I've been playtesting uh, Dire Alliance some. Um, so I'm, I guess, somewhat less impartial than like the average person on a uh, podcast uh, and video interview. But, but no, actually... Games. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. I'm, I'm not saying either of us are impartial when it comes to the Sadler brothers. <laughs> we <laughs> we got our Sadler. bias. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's funny. Uh, I, how did I even play Dire Alliance, Brady? Like, how, how did it happen that we played um, together on TTS? You know, I think I, think I was actually – I forget if I was talking to you about your experiences with um, Undaunted Normandy because I don't know if it was before or after, but you were working on a solo variant, you know, because I was saying yeah, how like... Because what I was going to say is I hadn't played Undaunted yet. Playing oh, Dire oh, Alliance, before, okay. I was like, oh man, I should go play Undaunted. Okay. So I, I think you must have... So Brady and I chat pretty often yeah, uh, yeah. just about designs and stuff. And uh, yeah, I think you might have just brought it up. And yeah, so I played it. So yeah, I had not, uh, I had not played Undaunted until... Uh, after Dire Alliance, but then I went and got it. I loved it. And yeah, I did design a uh, a solo variant for it that's kind of become like the, I guess, the most popular one based on Facebook and BGG at least. Yeah, so, baby. Yay. <laughs> Until we get a, I know David, <laughs> Turksy, and, and somebody else is doing a, an official one for next year. So that'll be cool. But we're not talking about Undaunted. Talk about Dire well, Alliance. I, <laughs> <Right>. I was. <laughs> <laughs> I guess like... um. Cause that's the, I guess that's the one I know. So I, I want to ask just a couple of questions based on it. Um, so just to kind of uh, set the basic, basic scene, right. You know, Undaunted is a deck building game, right? Tactical deck builder. Yeah. Tactical. What, what makes it tactical is that it's not just the cards. There's like a, a modular board type thing and you're, you're using the cards and they're multi-use cards. As soon as you got multi-use cards, you got me. Cause right. <laughs> um, and the cards can, you could be use them to play. Or you could use them to kind of determine initiative. Right, so like you could have you have, you could have a bomb card, like a nine card, and it's really good. But like you know, if you want to really go first, you got to use that nine as initiative, and then you know you you, you don't have that card to play on the actual game. Mm-hmm. So then you play your card, and then you you do stuff <laughs> on the tactical board, and it could be a lot of things, right? Like there's different scenarios, like you can area control, and you can kind of do more of a skirmish thing. Uh, but that's the core of the games that kind of that. Yeah, yeah. I think I think one the, the weird thing about um, the the high level explanation is uh, stuff like there's really minor stuff like for example the scouts in the game. Um, this is in, in Undaunted. Uh, they'll have this system where you have these fog of war cards, which is like with like dead cards in your hand, um, and you start off with some because you know it represents you not knowing the lay of the land essentially. So, but and you can't even move into areas unless they're scouted. So when you scout an area, you have to add more fog of war cards to your deck. Only scouts get rid of those. So, like that, that right there, that little thing. Um, it, it, even just reading that in the rules, I didn't really fully comprehend it. But playing it, I was like, I, I just love that aspect. So those, those could be, they could be curses. They could be like, you know, being weary. All those different things. I kept thinking about how this would work in like a fantasy war- world or something. So mm-hmm. it just the, the system just really opens itself up to so many possibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing I'll add uh, that I think is really key to Undaunted, and it's, I mean, you call it a deck builder, Jason, but to me, it doesn't feel like much of a deck builder it's kind of its own beast in a way because adding more cards to your deck, it's not like most deck builders where they are more powerful cards than what you started with. Sometimes they are, it depends on the scenario, but really it's more about what units you want to focus on, which ones you want to activate more frequently. You know, like, do I want to really hammer them with machine gun fire? Do I want to hit them with mortars? Do I want more leadership? Um, But it also goes into the damage mechanic, which I know uh, Brady and Adam and, David and Trevor have uh, used in different ways in Dire Alliance. A lot of designers. <laughs> yeah, man. So many it's a it's a Dire Alliance. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that was um, that was a David Thompson joke. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, um, when a unit gets hit in these games and, you know, kind of different ways between the two systems, uh, you lose that card from your deck. So the deck building is also like the life building in a way. And a unit having more cards is also more life. And it's really kind of this cool like interplay between that, like activations and uh, redundancy of units that they can stay around for a while. Yeah, that, that, the, all the elegant, the, the game is really boiled down to just all the elegant necessities it needs to function. Um, that's what really appealed to me. So, and plus, you know, at the, at the stuff Adam and I have designed in the past, we usually shove as much as we can into games and we're we're trying different ways to like not do that because i mean i still i still enjoy our designs but um once people get hour of need for example and they see the difference between like street masters and hour of need just how much is not needed to make hour of need still feel like you know the same kind of experiences you have with street masters. So that was really appealing to me in that, in that time frame. So like mm -hmm. getting to actually collaborate these guys with the system I liked so much for, for dial lines was just, was just an awesome experience. I remember when, cause we did the hour of need pod with Derek Adam was like, um, I want this game. I'm um, first of all, I'm sick of MDS. <laughs> <laughs> Second of all, I, I want like the, the player areas to be clear. And I mm -hmm. want like, you know, um, simpler kind of more streamlined, you know, one, two, three turns, you know, in terms mm -hmm. of the, the phases. So they were, so we can kind of start to transition towards dire alliance. Maybe we could just start from a kind of a mechanism level and I'll go to Adam. Um, this is, is this the simpler game that you're kind of like pushing for? Yeah, I remember this is actually um, reminds me of when Brady brought over uh, Undaunted because when I played it, I was like, yeah, we need to do more games like this where he talked to me like in two minutes or whatever when we were playing. We played through a scenario and it was really quick, really smooth. And I, after one game, I was like, I get it. This is great. Let's, let's do something like this. Um, and that led into the whole talking to David and Trevor. Um, and actually, funny enough, when we, when we brought that up to him, it turns out David has always wanted to do a miniatures game like a big miniatures game. It's like, well, that's funny. Cause that's all we do. <laughs> so um, it came, <laughs> right off of the, uh, came off of the success of fantasy series one, um, our mini miniatures only Kickstarter. There's no game with it. Um, but that opened the door. Even though people us, like dying to be like, there's a game here, right? There's a game here, right? <laughs> well, I mean, there, there were definitely is. some, there were definitely some. How many copies of Alter Quest did you all sell in the fantasy yeah, miniature? That's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we definitely sold a few of those. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, it opened the door to us to be able to do miniatures separately. Um, so we kind of, I, one thing I wanted to push was giving players choices where it's like we want to sell more affordable games to people who don't care about the miniatures, but also offer the miniatures people want them. So that's where this Dire Alliance Kickstarter came, came to fruition was because we wanted to offer this more affordable game with a bunch of really cool miniatures and you can get both if you want all that stuff. Yeah. And that's really only feasible with uh, like kind of a scaled back game, you know, something that's not super heavy, lots of components, like a smaller box game and dire lines won't be like a small box. Like it won't be the size of like um, undaunted, which isn't that small anyway, but it's still, you know, as far as blacklist standards, it's going to be a smaller <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah. And, and it does, it's the first for, you know, it's blacklist first for lots of things. It's a lighter game for sure. It's a, it's our first external designer. Um, yes, Bray and I were involved in it, but you know, it's really their system that we're working with. Um, and also it's our first competitive game. Uh, blacklist has all, all of our games are co-op cause that's what Bray and I tend to design. Um, but this one is, is both. So people that want some co-op action or some, some competitive action as well as their co-op, um, this gives you both, which is cool. So we will yeah, definitely and the, and get to the co-op uh, and solo and all that. And I have a lot, I've, I know that Mike has a lot to say about that. Um, I guess like theme wise, maybe talk a little about, like you mentioned before Brady, that you wanted to design a horror game. Mm -hmm. 
and it, you haven't, and Blacklist has not to this date. Like you've done, you've hit a couple of areas, but you haven't hit horror. Uh, tell us, and I guess Halloween being a thing, <laughs> that played into it. But maybe talk a little bit about how Dire Alliance kind of brings alive the horror theme. Yeah, the uh, that that was something I was having trouble with because we actually had a couple designs before this all started, um, as far as like what we want to do for our horror game. Because I'm big into like uh, more kind of urban, um, like. Resident Evil style, like survival horror, you know, like I love the whole corporate bio- biological weapon espionage stuff. <laughs> so we were trying to think of stuff like that, but it's really hard to market that, you know, like we couldn't figure out like the, how to, how to just come out of the door with that. Cause we wanted to come out with our horror series one that made sense. And the more we thought about it, the more we just kept coming back to these classic horror tropes, you know, very, very classical, like Victorian horror with our own little spin on it. You know, it's still like a little fantasy. It's not just literally taken from the old black and white movies and put it on there, but um, it's, it's more, much more leaning that way. So you got like the kind of Frankenstein monster style character. You got vampires and werewolves and, or sorry, Wolfman, <laughs> the Wolfman. Not, not really. Yeah. It, it does actually, it treads the line between horror and fantasy. I mean, a lot of these miniatures, or characters make sense in fantasy and horror, um, but they're definitely just, you know, really strong classical horror themes. Yeah. So, so like, it's, um, it's, like a vampire out of the monster manual from D and D or something like that. Yeah. It's more, it's more like Ravenloft. Yeah. Like, like, like imagining kind of like that horror fan, gothic horror fantasy stuff. Um, so and Ravenloft we, being, which, <laughs> oh, yeah. the dragons. Come yeah, on, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Ravenloft was a very, I don't know much about it personally. I just know from the, the artwork and stuff I've seen, cause I've never played the actual module or the, the it's interesting though. The, the, the curse of straw, they're actually redoing that. And yep. it's, yeah. Really releasing this month conveniently so you can get people might watch yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's very much in that style where it's it's got little bits of those classical horror movies it's got like you know the sleepy hollow vibe um just just trying to get those kind of the foundation of horror because you know in the future if we do other series we can like do more modern horror stuff like slasher flicks and stuff like that so we just thought this is a much better uh, starting point for the mm-hmm. horror line and again this uh, our our attempt at giving people the best of both worlds we know there's lots of people out there that like playing as the villains you know i don't play as the bad guy um and all these classic monster tropes you know like horror tropes there's lots of villains you know so if someone wants to play as like, you know, Dracula or Frankenstein's monster or something like that, Dire Alliance gives you the opportunity in the competitive game to play as these cool characters um, to lead these different factions. Um, and the flip side, you know, when you play in the co-op solo mode, you play as heroes fighting these okay. you know, evil characters. So it's a, uh, gives you a little bit, a little both, both of both best of both worlds type thing. So I like both of both worlds better. Both of best worlds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, jump in anytime mike i know you have um like you played this and everything but if you have any want to anything well, that you, you want uh, unfortunately i've not actually played the competitive mode yet uh okay. david oh, uh, thompson and i are setting up a date to play together um because you know we, sure. we we talk a lot too yeah um, sure but yeah I, if you play if you pick you get to pick your faction pick the grievers okay yeah. good to know good to know so yeah uh, i'll keep that in my the, uh <laughs> one of the th- the cool things about the uh the, the the name dire lines yeah yeah it's it, there's lots of funny plays on that word but um what it actually means in the game is um when you play the competitive game you pick a faction to play as and you get to pick a, a, a these modular choices for leaders so you can have any leader character leading this faction and that's kind of what you're playing as 
So you take your faction, you just your leader, you mix those cards up, and that's your that's your starting deck of cards. They're meant to be kind of like villains, you know. They're like they're the dire dire alliance. You're playing yeah. as like these bad guys essentially. So yeah, so it's like why would the invisible man go and help? See, these? Jason, they they didn't really get. Uh... Oh, oh man. sorry, I got, I got a lag or something. Had a <laughs> so, little, yeah, uh, that, that was me. I lagged. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, Jason. See, they uh, they, they didn't get too far away from the modular deck system. They still got some modularity <laughs> yeah, yeah. in the design. <laughs> yeah, and there's still decks too. So <laughs> now uh, I, I I do want to ask because I haven't played it yet. I've just seen the rules. Um, is is it a little bit like Death May Die ish? Like that you just literally take like these two decks, like your your villain leader deck and like your faction deck, and just shuffle them right together, and you're good to go. Uh, you don't you don't shuffle them, but you do um, you do well. It's similar in like in raid mode where you have your hero cards and your, your ability cards. Imagine a leader card and all your faction fighters, and you just shuffle uh, okay. those up. So okay. it's it's similar to that in that regard, but it is kind of that mashup idea where it's like, oh, you know, I'll take the invisible man. He's going to lead the grievers, and we're going to fight the countess against you know some maybe some other factions we can't talk about yet. <laughs> so and basically, your starting hand is two copies of of each of those characters. Mm-hmm. Because each you know each character has so many cards t- tied to that character. That's how you activate that character. So yeah, each yeah be... each faction is consists of four characters at least, sometimes more. Um, four iconic characters with that faction, and then your leader is your fifth. So you'll have like a team of five. Um, maybe more uh, against another team of five and you you can you know mix and match those you also have uh, a game board that's double-sided and each side has different scenarios so you that also kind of gives you some more customizable options and stuff like that so, modularity module you might call it modularity I don't know. <laughs> so i mean i guess like um different scenarios like king of the hill and or air control or yeah there's you know there's Battle a lot of Royale, um, kind of thing yeah, there's a lot of different things you can do with because every faction also has objectives. So you'll have like like the Grievers, for example, they're like the resurrectionists. They 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 make the kind of flesh golem type monsters. Um, so they they want these uh, graves. They want to go rob the graves and get body parts. So they'll have those objectives out and they want to go secure those objectives. So you, so like for example, one scenario might be whoever gets their their three objectives first wins, and you have to go into the enemy lines to get those, essentially. So it's kind of you're balancing out fighting off the bad guys with trying to grab your objectives. So there's lots of things you can do with that. And there's also other characters that can come into play through those scenarios, like special characters that are, you know, whoever captures this guy first wins, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. Okay. Solo co-op. You mentioned before that <laughs> yeah, uh, heroes. Uh, so... <clears throat> I guess that's a little bit weird for me because like it sounds so cool i'm gonna play the invisible man with all these grievers and everything and then like now i go into solo co-op and i'm like a schmucky human hero <laughs> oh you're, you're not a schmuck man you're 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 powerful you have oh, my awesome combos i mean yeah <laughs> so you're not like a survivor you're you're definitely it's <laughs> okay. it's much you're, more you're like a, you're, uh, a, you're a hero yeah yeah got it yeah like, yeah i mean think think like van helsing think uh, uh you know the the belmont okay. clan from yeah, castlevania yeah. like you're, you're not got a it. wuss you're you're awesome <laughs> that, that was that was honestly the genesis of um what i wanted raid mode to be because you know you could just take uh, raid what? mode being the co-op? oh sorry yeah there's battle mode which is competitive and raid mode is the solo co-op Got mode it. so um in raid mode uh it's shares a lot a lot of the same mechanics as battle mode um but you just you take on different roles so you'll have instead of choosing a faction and a leader you're choosing a hero and a hero class so you could play as vanessa who's this really just badass uh vampire hunter she's got a whip uh and she, you can te- you can pair her up with whatever hero class you want you could be a vampire hunter you could be um, 
That's it. Vampire Hunter or Exorcist? That's Exorcist. Yeah, I was. Yeah, the, so, or some other hero class. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> so you, 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 you want to keep your uh, updates? You know, like in <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Scotty yelling at you. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Just you'll, as we you'll... don't know when this is gonna land. <laughs> <laughs> right. So unlike battle mode, where you're commanding a squad, you're just you have your hero, your one hero on the board, and uh, you'll have instead of fighter cards, you're building your deck with. You're getting ability cards, so you can buy your characters like iconic ability. cards card it makes them like feel like a hero and you can also buy different class abilities to kind of and the interesting thing about your the the the, the contents of your hand these cards in your hand they actually are the correspond to enemy types so if a certain type of enemy damages you you have to lose an ability of that same type so like if it's a rank one enemy you have to lose one of your rank one abilities if you can't you're defeated so you want to build your deck both to have cool options to go on the offense but also you have to be able to take the take the hits so you have to kind of balance out what you're going to be playing into your action row and also keep it in your hand and yeah like, you want to you want to diversify the types of health you have in your hand which so uh, yeah but back to the high level you're, you're you get your hero built out you pick your scenario um also use the same game boards just different scenario sheets for the raid mode and yeah. then you'll oh go ahead and, i was saying you take the uh, the faction boards you know that you're using in, in, in battle mode you flip them over and there's a raid mode side and it has the reference for all those faction fighters to be minions in raid mode so you have that as that's the faction you're fighting against and then all those leaders you had in, in uh, battle mode, those are now villains. So you can choose your villain deck that you're fighting against. I want to fight against the Countess. You take her villain deck, you put it next okay. to the faction board, and that's your opposition for the game. Yeah, okay. and typically the, the enemy's trying to do something. Like the villain, her, the villain themselves is trying to go accomplish something or defeat a hero. That's their goal. And you're just trying to go defeat the villain unless the scenario has some other minor objective for you to accomplish before you do that. But mostly you're just trying to take out the villain before one of your heroes gets just overwhelmed by minions and villains. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, before I go, I, I, I did forget to ask one thing before I go deeper in Excel co-op, because this is in battle mode and in raid mode. Mm. Dice. Yes. Resolution. So there is dice resolution. And if you listen to a lot of the reviews, and I kind of like had to study up, um, before I did this review, a lot of them point out that like, okay, it's almost like there's a mania around war games. War games have to have dice resolution. Like it's mm. not a war game unless it has dice resolution. Because <laughs> like this, this game has dice resolution and it can be very um, kind of <clears throat> all or nothing, so to speak. Mm. Like you can really build up, you know, like you know, style, you don't like build up like Mike was saying, you don't like to have an awesome deck, you're, but like build up your strat, right? Mm. And then like it all comes down to the roll of dice. It's supposed to be exciting, but like it's, not because you did all the strategy <laughs> for it to come down to dice uh, to like a, a, a all or nothing kind of thing is very frustrating. So, how do you guys? Uh, I know you guys. You guys dice dice in every game, uh, in every MDS game, and you guys have an interesting approach to dice to dices, dicing. So <laughs> dices, <laughs> dices. Uh, I like how dice stuff you, up. How do you integrate dice resolution in Dire Alliance? So, so uh, real quick, Adam, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reference, before you get into Dire Alliance, I'll reference, because um, I've heard some reviews, too, as far as um, Dice Go, like in unma- um, the un- pff, Unmatched. <laughs> I did it. I did it, Michael. <laughs> Mike, that was you. Mike, that was you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, undaunted. Um, I've heard people say that, like, that that is kind of like one thing they might not love is the dice, but it's done in a way where it's very simple and fast, that it barely gets... It very it very ever costs you the game. It very rarely costs you the actual game, um, and you can do actions around that. But um, but that is something I've seen come up before. Um, and Adam, you can go ahead and talk about the uh, the dire alliance side of things. Yeah, this is something we talked about early with them. We 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 uh, told them 
that they're more than more than welcome to use, you know, our dice system, our exploding dice system we, we always use with our MDS games, um, the whole and the, you know, the whole focus type mechanic we typically use. Um, but David and Trevor d decided to go with a simpler, very simple custom dice hit hit block mechanic. Um, but what what they wanted to make it so is, is if you go to attack somebody, you're more than likely going to damage them. Like it's all about this game's about positioning, getting the right position, the right situation, getting the right effects going on. So you're you're reliably going to hit somebody. So typically, if you're if you you roll dice, your opponent rolls dice, and as long as the guy attacking rolls at least one hit. If the defender doesn't roll more shields than them, they're going to take a damage. So it's really on the defender to block that. So the defender yeah. has, has to be the one to block it. In a lot um, of these games, you'll always have the defender breaking ties, which really ends up being kind of like a stalemate a lot of the time. Like it just kind of nice slows the game down. <clears throat> <laughs> so, so that was a very conscious decision on their part because in their, in their initial play test with battle mode, it stalled out a lot. And especially they even had that problem with the exploding dice and like the focus system because it just allowed for a little too much control. Um, and honestly, the, the, the just the very basic solution of having the attacker win ties. It just, it makes everything more interesting, more, it makes everything more dire, you might say, but it's, uh, <laughs> it just, it felt much better all, all together. So it works really well. And luckily in raid mode, um, the, like most of the dice are just, um, it, it, it's kind of just, it's not inconsequential because it, your planning still matters, but you have much more control of like over your hero. Cause you can choose to just like, blow all your cards and buff your dice and get like a you know six or seven dice uh, pool against an enemy's two dice like oh this guy's gonna die no matter what and you can still get unlucky which is almost as fun like i've had i've, I've thrown like i think uh, a, a hand of eight dice against an enemy who's throwing three and they ended up blocking my attack and i was like nah how'd that happen <laughs> but it still now, just, it didn't really feel like it was a, a bummer you know and with that with that really simple dice system um they are custom dice but they're you know just hits and blocks very very simple and intuitive with that um, simple dice system, it opened the door to have different kinds of, of dice for different reasons. For example, the vampire faction in the game, the Shroud, they they work off of this vampire die where if they you know drink some blood and get sated, um, they have more abilities that trigger off this custom die, so that's added to their role um, to trigger different abilities. And there's also a hero class that uses something we call a hex die, um, and these just these can come in different ways. We you know we have plans for all types of die or lines games in the future to introduce new types of dice and stuff like that. So the simple foundation of that simple dice system opens the door to kind of adding to it with, with new types of dice in the future. Yeah. We've essentially did a keyword system where if a keyword comes into play, if a character has the vampire keyword, that means whenever they, um, they're not sated, they get a roll of whenever they're sated, they get a roll of vampire die. Whenever they attack somebody damage, then they become sated. They get to get this vampire die. So it's very simple and clean how that's introduced in the game, but uh, we just plan on in the future, we'll just keep making more dice mitigation and dice, um, you know, customization options through these keywords and just makes it, you know, there's a lot of design space there. And luckily, it's a very simple system. It's not like a really crunchy where you're, you know, trying to uh, plus three to this dice roll. Oh, minus one because of this guy. There's not a lot of modifiers or anything. So, so is it no modifiers? <laughs> no, no, it's not, a, it's not a value-based dice roll. You're just rolling for simple. You, 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 know. <laughs> might, you might add a hit to your roll. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that, but that's about it. But not yeah, like not add adding. two, like, okay, you have three, and I'm going to add two, and you have a minus plus one defense and all that. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's, there's like... Um, dice pool mitigation essentially through yeah, through right. various effects yeah yeah the, the, yeah, the combat is very quick in the game so very easy to resolve mm -hmm. 
And something I'll mention just uh, for anybody who is kind of worried about randomness, and this almost, this really goes to David Thompson being one of the like designers of the original system. If you played any David Thompson games, because he does this in, I played almost every game he's designed. <laughs> I'm a big fan. And uh, he does this in basically everything. Uh, he really likes having uh, mechanics where no matter how many, like no matter how much you exceed the defense by, you only hurt them once. Like you only take away one hit point which does a nice job of like balancing out these extreme swings of luck yeah. and, and, and not, nothing against MDS. I love exploding dice and doing a thousand damage just because I kept on rolling crits over and over again. That's, that's great fun. I'm someone that has three hit points. Thanks a lot guys. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, there's a reason why we, uh, we design co-ops all the time because we wouldn't want to be rolling crits against yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. So you, you need that greater balance and competitive. So yeah, having played undaunted, having played this one, I think this is uh, even less random than undaunted. Mm -hmm. Like the dice pulls really, tend to balance it out mm -hmm. and even if somebody gets a lucky hit on you you're only losing like one card it's not mm -hmm. like your entire unit is dead exactly so yeah yeah right. i do not see i mean some people hate dice but if and you're not crazy. Like, to that extreme <laughs> if you're not to that extreme like i will not touch anything with dice level this game's dice mechanics kind of like I, I mean i would say it fits in with the blacklist kind of uh you know, uh, package really well because Blacklist is all about with uh, your all's kind of mitigating of dice and, you know, you get the focus token even if you miss. Mm -hmm. It's the same kind of thing here. Like, the mm -hmm. dice are not going to destroy you. Like, you'll always be generally okay unless you just make a ton of stupid moves over and over again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, there's two reasons I think you touched on them both that people hate dice. One, it negates your choices. It makes it so their choices don't matter. And B, it can gum up the game. So, like, mm -hmm. if you can roll yourself out of success. So, it sounds like both of those things were considered when constructing the dice for the dice resolution system for this game yeah yeah it's 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 very much airing on just elegance as opposed to trying to get too clever with it you know just kind of doing what works and what keeps it clean and just keeps the game moving so okay, okay. just try just avoid getting hit in the game just don't yeah, just, yeah, just die. <laughs> <laughs> don't let the vampires drink your blood Got yeah exactly <laughs> Um, solo co-op, I'll, I'll bounce back to that one and I'll go to Mike. Uh, I imagine you had a hand in designing the AI. But no, I, I, I want to be clear. I didn't design anything with the solo co-op. Mm. Oh, he's, that, but he's that. yeah he's 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 definitely my sounding board man like yes. I, if i ever have like if i ever have any yeah, hang up i'm having and like <laughs> what 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 would mike do in the situation man so i was because like like he's he's super t i mean what do you, i forget you use uh it's not discord it's um it's slack right you have a slack yeah. well we know actually we, we have moved to discord now Oh, discord okay. yeah, yeah so yeah. i remember you have like a very a very responsive community there and you very tuned into what what the people want and what the people like. So um, if I'm ever hung up on something and just, you know, need, need to talk through stuff, Mike's usually my guy, my go-to guy. Cause Adam's, you know, you can't talk to this guy. He's so grumpy all the time. <laughs> you have all of his stuff in your basement. So there's no way he's going to tolerate more from you. <laughs> I'm not talking to him until my house is done. So <laughs> I'm moving some boxes outside tonight. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, but, yeah. I, I would describe my involvement as just, you know, an, an active playtester who, okay, who yeah. has had You're some abused. design conversations. Uh, tell, well, tell us about this AI. Uh, I think uh, good co-op games need clean AIs. Yeah, you I mean, know, I, I, I'm curious, uh, Adam and Brady, let me know how well I do, because I've sure, yeah. clearly played it a lot less than you have. And it's had, I've played several iterations, but I've been playing mm -hmm. what I think is the most recent one. So I, I really like the AI, Jason, because it's super clean, in my opinion. And I'm kind of, again, I don't know where this will air compared to like my review for the Kickstarter, but I'll be repeating myself a bit there, I guess. <laughs> um, but basically, uh, like uh, 
Brady and Adam already said in the in the raid mode, the enemies have their villain, who's like the boss, and they have um, their minions. And minions can spawn continuously, so you can have a bunch of these little guys running around. And at least with the current iteration, and I really like how this works, so, you know, fingers crossed it stays this way, and I think it will. Like, you all are pretty happy with this one. Yeah, it's pretty solid at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, I think this is the keeper. Um, the minions are primarily there to gum you up and attack you. But something I love is that they're also your level up mechanic. So it's not like a lot of deck builders where you have to like give up cards or spend resources or make like these uh, either or choices. If you go and kill the minions, you get to immediately add a card to your deck, like for killing that minion. So it's this nice like little reward system that makes it fun to do the thing that is fun. <laughs> you know, du- <laughs> double your fun. Uh, the, the both of both worlds, you know, or whatever you want to say. <laughs> the both of best worlds. Best world. <laughs> That's what I'm calling this episode. The both of best worlds. <laughs> Dire Alliance and the Saddlers. <laughs> um, so, so the minions are attacking you and uh, the, the villain is the objective seeker. So it is kind of similar, uh, in my opinion, to Street Masters. Mm. If you kind of remember like the the kind of mission uniqueness falls to the villain in a lot of cases. And they're like the ones running around and doing stuff. So the villain is trying to accomplish whatever they're trying to do. And what you're trying to do can vary from scenario to scenario. But the one I've played the most is just a pretty basic, like kill the villain, you know, like a first time, like learn the game kind of thing. So the AI is, (laughs) I mean, it's, it's silly simple, but it works really well. You flip a card from the villain decks. This is not an MDS game. You don't have 15 decks. I love you guys. I, I love all your games. You know that. Go watch my reviews. You know I love that. But I was gonna say, wait till you get Alter Quest, man. Wait a minute, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like uh, it's it's a single deck. The cards don't stay in play except for that round. So you have to track like ongoing effects for the villain card that you've drawn for like more than you know a minute, and uh, it'll say what the villain does, and it'll tell you which color of minion activate because within the uh, the four like five types of minions for a faction. You'll have like there's yellow and blue and purple and whatever. And, and the minions have very basic AI. Uh, it's very much like Undaunted actually in that, um, we're not, sorry. <laughs> it's not like Undaunted. It's like my solo varied for Undaunted, which is not <laughs> even official for the game. So forget <laughs> I just said that. Uh, but it's like, it's like a lot of AI systems where they do one action. You just go down like a little tree, like, oh, can they do this? And they do that. Can they do this? But it's like really simple. Can they attack? No. Okay. Then they'll move toward the closest person. I, I think um, that's what I was most concerned about with like a tactics game. And I think that you kind of anticipating questions that people have about the Kickstarter mm-hmm. and like, it's a, it's a, a, g- a game with like a, a due to the map type thing yeah. and due to the map always have flow charts mm-hmm. and those can go really wrong if, yeah. if you let yeah, them I mean, kind of get too much as somebody who plays maybe too many war games for a cooperative uh, board game channel um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it is very streamlined minions okay. in general have like i don't know two or three possible actions almost all of them are either moving towards or attacking the closest hero and the villains will just generally move towards the closest objective and they have like a few tiebreakers, you know, like, oh, they, they want to be closer to a villain to also, I mean, uh, closer to a hero to also attack a hero while they're moving toward the objective. So I find it very clean. Okay. But I don't know, uh, Sadlers, did I miss anything uh, major? No, I think, yeah, I think uh, the couple things that, that I wanted to have also go into a little more depth what you mentioned was uh, one of the trickiest parts was that, keeping that clean, the AI, because I just wanted like a, like every enemy to have like one or two things I could do. But making that work, um, making it work where it's like you had to um, 
make things conditional where it's like, here's an action, this enemy is going to move and then do this thing, or they're going to move and do this thing. So that then and and mean different things in the rules. So you have to do certain things to make the other thing, you know, function. So that was what tricky to actually word right in the rules. Um, but the, uh, the other thing you mentioned that Mike really helped out with was the, the minion upgrade thing, like, like killing a minion to get a thing that, that really came through with like Mike's testing. Cause we were, we were stuck about how, heroes actually gain things because it was really convoluted before we had, we, we tapped into that thing <laughs> yeah i, I think it, kicked the the bucket and... had like a, a search thing where you would like yeah. play a search card to try to get a card and i was like brady I don't, i'm not digging this man I don't, I don't like the searching thing it's just like adding so much to the game and i, I definitely agree with all the playtests were like you know they want to feel before you were just kind of killing the minions to get rid of them it's like i got it got it but like you know you should feel some kind of motivation to want to kill that thing um as opposed to just getting away from you so like you know going there and hunting them down to get upgrade cards gave you an incentive to like work work yourself up to facing off against the villain which is which i find cool in games i like to get a little reward for knocking down a you know a butcher that's in my way or something so and, and to, to peel the curtains back for a second because <laughs> uh you know we, we we heard already how uh, brady and adam sometimes try to complicate things too much <laughs> I remember Brady, you were like, no, we got to keep the search cards because they put down a token and then each scenario can have a different use of that token and you can have multiple rules for every, and I was like, oh my God, man. You know my world, Mike. You know, you know it now. You know why I'm so grumpy. Oh, I get it, man. I get it. That's why I go to Mike. <laughs> but I say the exact same thing Adam says. <laughs> Brady's, Brady's got like a million ideas. It's my job to just shave them down. <laughs> I guess like, I mean, I guess if there's a criticism of the MDS games, and I've stated this many, many times, and this is not a secret, like it can take a long time between turns. You know, like you're, I'm doing my thing and it's all fun. And then it's like a upkeep turn. And then there's a add tokens turn. And then there's like a, a deal card turn. And there's like, okay, this card interact with that card turn. It's like, okay, here I am back. And also not just like that rhythm, but like it kind of like, expands as the game goes on as more elements kind of enter to get introduced into the thing so it's like okay i started off i'm playing street match playing brook city there's a couple things and by by the end of it i'm like okay (laughs) every like the bottom cooperative center of the multiverse does this in a a way aeons and does this a little bit cleaner but still like so i'm guessing i guess my my big question and you know uh, would be you know do you feel like you've gotten that balance right in this game is this game simpler enough and carrying forward from the beginning of the game to the end of the game to where I'm like going back into my turn with a, a decent amount of time. Yeah, one, one thing uh, you will notice about like Street Masters and Brook City and to an extent Alter Quest, I think Alter Quest was smoothed out some um, because of our experience with, this, with the MDS is that the game was typically designed, designed as a solo game and we built basically four solo games on top of each other. Um, <laughs> And it's a direct result of Brady and I playtesting so much with just us. Um, and we know the game pretty well. Um, and we, but we spend so much time playing two player that a lot of times four player or more kind of doesn't really come into our thoughts as much because we don't have that experience with that. So luckily we've been expanding our playtest pool and getting more people involved. And I think hour of need is pretty much the, the, the first uh, game where we just focus purely on downtime, getting rid of downtime, that's our first game that's up to six players. Um, I think when, during a play test one time with new players, I think they finished a six-player game in like an hour and a half. It was insane. Like, it was, it was great. It's like, okay, well, we got it. That's what we need to do. <laughs> um, and this game, I think, is probably 
it's probably our fastest playing game. Um, I think it's a direct result of working with David and Trevor who have this system, um, you know, this, you know, I guess evolution of system that they've been refining every time they make a new game. Um, so that's a huge benefit for this game. Um, but also Bray and I pretty much, we built raid mode from their system, but it's, it's kind of its own thing now. It feels like it feels, it feels very similar, but also like, um, uh, as I was Brady texting me. <laughs> yeah. I had to, I had to, I had to relocate and I'm all dark right now. So <laughs> I'm trying to, uh, try okay, to so Brady's gonna send me a text messages for everything he wants me to say. For <laughs> <laughs> if you're listening on the podcast, Brady is walking all around. Yeah, the house I can't right. find a place. I can't find a uh, I was going to say you're, you're, you're missing some uh, visual fun. If you're just hearing this right now, <laughs> I was you, know, Brady, you could have just come over here tonight for this. I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be this like, like I was getting, uh, Texts from uh, from my in laws like it's so loud down there. <laughs> so, we'll see. This That's is my fault. I laugh very loud. Yeah, I mean, y'all y'all didn't know you were going to get a tour of a house as yeah. part of the, uh, the video. My, my, it's very nice. My base, my temporary basement. It's amazing. <laughs> anyway, but, sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were just talking about downtime. Uh, yeah, talk about downtime. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would say as uh, someone playing this and having played every MDS game, even the ones that aren't delivered yet for uh, review coverage. Ooh, um, la la. I mean, this one is, uh, I was playing a three-player game with uh, one completely new player and one uh, mostly new player last weekend. And you're playing your turn 90% of the time, 95% of the play time. Like running the AI takes 10 seconds. And uh, I'll take a little bit of credit. Because <laughs> I, know, I know Peter and I like kind of push you guys to put the, uh, the, the simultaneous, like, you know, take your turns together variants in Street Masters. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this one is another one where it's like kind of free form, like, Hey Jason, you take this action. That'll set me up to do this awesome action. And then, Oh, now Brady can do that action. And Oh, now Adam can come in with his cleanup thing and kill like three guys at once. The game definitely has like those kind of things. So the turn, the player turns are very fast. There's basically no downtime and kind of to your point, Jason, it, it, I I think uh, some of the MDS games and, uh, Sentinels and Aeon's end, like you said, can have a ramp up problem, like a ramp up of, uh, of like red tape and bureaucracy to work through on your turn, you know, and this does not have that at all, at least in the scenarios I've played so far. Like there is no, the villain now has 18 cards out and you got to resolve them are it's it's just whatever two cards come out for that turn. That's it. Whatever cards you play that turn, that's it. You don't have cards that are chilling in your play area, complicating your, your kind of play space every turn. Yeah. And just to follow up on what you said there, Mike, I I think what really helps that, um, the integration of turns where it feels like, you know, you're kind of, you know, it's pretty open to do what you want to do. Um, it's definitely a credit to David and Trevor's original uh, turn structure in the, the battle mode, because they have it where, you know, I do two cards, you do two cards, I do two cards, you do two cards. So they kind of take our turns and basically there's, we each have two turns integrated with each other. Um, so that's kind of carried over in raid mode where the heroes all do two, they play two cards and then they stop. And once everybody has two cards, play stops the villain goes and then the heroes do the rest of their stuff and the villain goes again. So there's a nice little integration in one round where everybody seems to go like half two turns sort of. So that kind of really helps make it feel like you're always doing something. Cool. All right. That is all my questions about Dire Alliance. What did I miss? Um, the one important thing that people will notice when they go to the Kickstarter page is that the, like I was mentioned earlier, we have Dire Alliance Horror and we have Horror Series 1, which mm-hmm. is a, a line of miniatures that are really designed to be used for whatever horror game you want. You know, if you want to just have some cool miniatures to paint, you want some stuff for your role-playing games, whatever. But horrified. all the stuff... I got horrified minis. 
Yeah, or <laughs> yeah, Pega. <laughs> um, all of the miniatures are specifically designed to replace the tokens that are for the characters in Dire Lines Horror. So Dire Lines Horror is a board game with tokens and cards, and it's we made it so it's as for like as low as a price point as possible for one of our games. Um, but if you want to go all out and get a whole line of miniatures with it, we have a combo pledge in the Kickstarter, so you can kind of get it everything as if it's a big street master style game so and something i'll say just again as a player who's helped out a little bit um i think anybody who has loved saddler brothers games in the past um at least so far i i see this as fully worth the value just for co-op solo even if you never play competitive um and i think if you're if you're coming looking for that mds experience clearly it's not the same exact thing but the classes play vastly differently and whichever hero you combine with them can change things up a lot too. Like they all have their own special mechanics. They each have completely unique cards with special powers and something, uh, I think Brady, you mentioned it for a second, but it's one of my favorite mechanics of the game. So I want to give it a little bit more of a shot or a shout out is um, as you play cards and Jason, you're the one who hasn't played the game. So I'll kind of explain to you the most. So uh, as you play cards from your uh, hero deck, you can either play them face down for a basic action, like to move, to attack, do that kind of thing. Or you can play them face up. And generally that won't give you a full action. It'll give you like a little boost. You'll get to do like some little special thing, but you won't be able to do a full attack. But the cards you play face up uh, add to your stats for the rest of the turn. So if I can combo it, so I play like, you know, okay, I'm not killing somebody with this first card, but it's giving me plus two melee attack. And now I play a card face down, and instead of rolling two dice, I'm rolling four dice, and I just take everybody out this entire turn. And for the whole turn, I get that bonus to my stats. So I think it's like a really cool, it, it really, um, as simple as the card play can be, because this is not a complex game, I've found it's really interesting how it kind of <coughs> increases the decision space, because I can theoretically do more on my turn by playing like all my cards face down, but I'm sacrificing power. Like my character will be less effective in everything they do. Uh, And vice versa, if I play everything face up, I might accomplish almost nothing, but man, I'll be a powerhouse with all of these stat boosts. So it's a cool system. And I had nothing to do with that one. Like I I, I feel bad because I was like, hey, I really love, uh, I love that you get rewarded for killing people. And Brady's like, yeah, you told us to do that. I'm like, oh, I'm a jerk. (laughs) Um, But uh, but yes, something that I had nothing to do with. I think it's a great great system. I really love the like stat boosting and kind of the choice between face down and face up. It's a really neat thing on your player turn. Yeah, good thing you bring that up because I forgot to mention that. Like one of the most powerful things in the game is moving like the game is all about positioning um and usually the only way to do a move is playing a card face down unless you have some weird special ability to let you do it so you want to move a lot in the game but you don't want to you know you don't want to move four times because then you can't do anything else in your turn and your stats sucks <laughs> yeah and a, and a cool thing uh that we actually just recently added um that seems to be working well is um the a way to kind of make damage and healing and uh, action economy even more interesting is you can always just choose to exert your hero once per phase um, just losing the top card of your deck as damage which you don't know what it is so if like you only happen to have like maybe one hero card in your deck but you have to go up to get to the villain to hit them and you lose a card it happens to be your hero card you're setting yourself self up to be like just hammered the next run and mm. possibly die if you don't have another copy of your hero card anywhere so it's it's uh it's cool it's like it gives you a lot of freedom but it's very risky so it's 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 been working out pretty well all right so that was a whole pile of dire alliance horror which is the first set we are going to get more sets if i ask they're just going to be like 
<laughs> I always ask and I never get the answer. So it's like just dire alliance colon something. <laughs> <Good luck. laughs> we got we got you, lots of plans for dire alliance. alliance. Colon, you name it. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on how it does. And we're looking at some decent um interest in terms of the website. Uh, I will have a link to the, um, I guess it's the pre-order. Like, I think we're going to be launching this episode just a couple of days before. So you'll be able to mosey on over to that website. Uh, just check out the link below. Uh, I imagine you'll put the link in whatever one-stop co-op shop yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, podcast. We'll get the link over there. You'll be able to get notified when the project launches. And Yeah, uh, and, day, and, one, uh, day one backers get a free uh, account miniature and leader card deck. So it's a freebie for anybody who backs the first day. If you miss out. You can still get it as an add-on, but you save yourself like five bucks or something like that by going day one backing. Is that uh, backing at any level, Adam, or do you have to back for like the full game or full miniature pledge? I think it's any level, um, but I'll just say combo pledge. Just you have to get everything. You have to do. You have to go all in. <laughs> I'm backing at one dollar. I want a free miniature. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's at least a pledge level. That I know that. Much. There you go. <laughs> All right, so that is live on Tuesday, uh, October 27th. Yep. Uh, not too long from when we post this episode. So that is Dire Alliance Horror. Not an MDS game, but uh, cards and dice and co-op and all the stuff that you have come to love from the Saddlers. All right, so if you've listened to any of these episodes before, um, I usually like to follow up because these, you know, both of these gentlemen – active readers uh, consume a lot of you know um, pop culture content and geek content and you know all these all this stuff is informed with a background of you know all sorts of crazy stuff that's going on there so i like to um, hit some top uh usually top three we don't want to be here all night um so we've done top uh we've done top fantasy we've done top video games we've done top comic books and now this one was easy <laughs> we haven't uh we have to hit the horror uh phase and i know that brady and adam have been re- roaring to go and uh michael kelly if you don't know teaches film and is a film buff uh so when i asked him it's like oh hey uh, do you like horror he's like uh what do you think <laughs> i do i do like horror movies are uh-huh. we doing top three horror movies jason Horror IP. Oh, geez. So it could be movie, could be, you know, all the... Uh, I, I, warned, I gave you a warning about this. Yeah, I know. I forgot, dude. I forgot. We talked about this a while ago. Can, can I just say, like, Batman to rep for my man, uh, Derek Rodriguez, and uh, his, his love? Yeah, right? <laughs> all right, let, let me think. Uh, one of the Saddlers go first. Uh, so we're going to do... So we'll do t- uh, three to one, and we'll go, like, okay. three, 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 two, 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 one, one, one. Cool. Uh, I, so I am a huge teddy bear. I do not... I am not a horror guy at all. I am not... Uh, but I'm going to participate. I came up with three. <laughs> you guys may laugh or not, but uh, I will choose to participate in my own little ways. Uh, but I will definitely defer to the masters of horror uh, on the rest of the channel. Uh, so let's go in alphabetical order. Let's go Adam first. All right. So I had a... I had a whole bunch of stuff on here um, <laughs> and I have to watch out because I don't know. I, I, I'm trying not to overlap with Brady cause I'm sure we have, we have very uh, intertwining interests, sure. um, but I'm going to go ahead and start with um, something that I always terrify me as a kid, but as I grew older, I just learned to love it. And that's the alien franchise, sure. the alien movies. Um, those were, the first I remember one. One, what's that? Just first the one. first one. Just the first one. First one. I like aliens also, but, but the first one, I think, definitely I think the aliens coolest. was the first one I saw as a kid. Um, but going back, I think I was like in my late teens, whatever I bought the alien DVD at 
Best Buy in one of those boxes or whatever, and I watched it, and I didn't realize just how awesome the first movie was. Um, the, I don't know, the, the, and that just opened the door to me watching the rest of them, and just uh, such an iconic horror genre for me. So uh, the, I, I, the greatest line I heard about the Alien movies was that in the first in Alien, the gun is empty, and in Aliens, the gun is loaded. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> well, until you know, uh, until they take away all their big guns and say they want to use harsh language instead, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> all right, Brady, you are up number um, uh, number three horror IP. I'll do an honorary mention first, since we just came off of Dire Alliance, because uh, the Castlevania franchise okay. was a yes. huge influence on most okay. of uh, Dire Alliance. But uh, that's just an honorary mention. Uh, number three, uh, the, uh, the cartoon. Are you do you approve of the cartoon? Yeah, I'm not crazy about a lot of the dialogue and stuff. It's kind of some of it's a little like eh, it's it's not super captivating. But like I, like I it's got ball? really high moments. It's got super high moments. I mean, I, I'm all in on the cartoon. It's I awesome. actually think uh, this latest <laughs> season was better than the first two. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the action. Yeah, j- just a quick shout out. The action choreography. Yeah. And the way. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Belnades. Uh, Sophia, is that her name? The the yes, yeah, Sophia, yeah, thinks this. Yeah, like the the thing she does with magic, like it is my favorite, like strong female magician mm-hmm. character I've ever right. seen in fights. She does the coolest things. Anyway, yeah. sorry, Brady, I'm interrupting. No, it's fine. No, it's fine. That was just kind of an honorary mention because I felt like I had to mention it for the influence. Sure. But um, three, it's this is like uh, not super scary, but like it's in that horror genre, and it's um, the Buffy vampire series, Vampire okay. Slayer, just because. You know, like just the time of my life when I was into that show, just and I still watch it with my daughter and stuff. So it's you mean Angel. Yeah, it's still, it's in the it's in I the like the Angel too. It's I in the Buffy Angel verse. Too. Angel is better, but right. <laughs> Buffy I, has. I think I enjoyed think Angel better after I watched. As it. a show, I think Angel's better. I just think the the Buffy like just the nostalgia it has and everything. Just it's it's got a place. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Uh, well, I, I love Buffy and I love uh, Alien and Aliens, but I'll, I'll take both those off. So I'll go with. Uh, I'll mess up Brady because I know this is probably his number one, and I'll do a Resident Evil franchise. <laughs> Let me cross that off my list, real quick. <laughs> um, yeah. So Resident Evil. Um, it's not the franchise though. It's just the first game. It's just just the first. No, 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 game. No, no, no. I'm, I'm into the franchise. Uh, so yeah. So I was playing the first one. That was one of my uh, along with like Silent Hill. I would say. That was one of like my first uh, forays into really like freak me out video games. Yeah, I used to play like Splatterhouse on the Sega Genesis and stuff, but that's a, you know that's not really scary. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Resident Evil, the first one with the terrible like B dialogue and like dogs jumping through windows and liquors and oh my gosh, like that stuff was terrifying. And I- I've continued to play through them like with hits and misses. There, I really enjoy uh, Resident Evil Four. Of course, is classic. Resident Evil Two is one of my top game like experiences of all time and the remake is amazing for that one. Oh yeah it's awesome. um, we, could, we could have a whole podcast so i could tell oh, you yeah. why four is just the with the worst of the series but <laughs> it's, it's, I, well I, it's I, a I fantastic love, game but it's not i love four for itself i think it took the series in a bad yeah. direction yeah. like yeah. it went away yeah. from survival horror i'm sure we agree on that it's, that it's a very innovative not game, be my but... podcast you guys can go have sorry, your sorry, own sorry. podcast <laughs> and then uh, the, get... the films are kind of fun for those as well at least yeah. uh, the first two before they kind of go totally ape Mm-hmm. What, what, what's your rating? I will. 
before the, they go totally wild. I'm a the, dice the first two viewer, movies sir. are pretty good. You be careful. The CG ones are much better uh, than the live action. The CG ones are really good. Oh, oh you like them I, better? Oh, yeah, better geez, than okay. better than the films. Yeah, there's the, the, I, I, the oh, degeneration. Oh, I'm sorry. You mean you mean the fully CGI? Movies? Yes, the fully, I like those. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, I, those I, I, I thought you meant the later uh, Mila Jovovich ones. And no, no, like, no, those no, are, no, those no, are terrible. No, I meant like this: the degeneration and I forget the other one, but there's some really good CG ones. Yeah, yeah. I think I could reduce Resident Evil down to just Resident Evil Two and that would be enough for me to be like obsessed i i, I that game right there is resident evil for me like i love sure. resident evil too so perfect, yeah, perfect example of a game i will not play i've never played <laughs> i think no no thank you there uh, <laughs> uh so my number three though uh i'm gonna go to the movie realm and i'm actually gonna go up from my, when i was a kid uh and kind of up ages so like the, the, the first movie that kind of really freaked me out uh, when I, when my parents subjected me to it because my dad was like that. It's like, you got to watch this. Um, the Shining. So just like the, I, like, I, I still remember this and I have very few memories from when I was a kid, but I still remember spoilers for like a 55-year-old movie. But like the whole thing of like the buildup and the buildup and like, you know, Jack is in the, um, the house and he's kind of slowly degenerating. He's trying to write his novel and then like seeing the wife come in and seeing the novel and like all, you know, play all work and no play make Jack and Bell like typed 75,000 times and like the look on his face and the, the lighting and the shading and then everything kind of like spun out from there. And like, I, I still remember just like, it's still lodged in my head how um, affecting the performance was. I think it really did kind of break Jack Nicholson yeah. uh, in some way. <laughs> and he was too good at it. <laughs> it was a little too good. And then the red rum and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but just, but just like in terms of convincing me that I shouldn't watch too many of these movies, but it's not good for me, but that's probably, <laughs> it's probably a sign of a good horror movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I'm going to go with The Shining from a number three. I like it. Classic. I- you just crossed one off my list, so I'll figure out another one. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mike's dynamic list over there. He's like, oh, well, yes, no. I mean, I was making it up right now, so it's fine. Don't <laughs> pick mine, Adam. Don't pick mine. Number two. He is up for his number two. Horror IP, movie, game, anything. All right. I, I don't know if it's his. I'm sure it's on. it would be on your list, but I'm going to say The Walking Dead. Okay. It's, has, right. uh, it's good, but it's not it. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so, I mean – season one of the amc show is enough to be like that's that's awesome that's a great show i love it um but i like the comics you know i read the comics a lot um and i did like a lot of the amc show i I, hit or miss toward the end and stuff like that and the late seasons was just they're obsessed with just slow motion shots of everybody's face at the end of every episode for like 20 minutes got sick of that but overall the way they handled the zombies in the show how it's like kind of like this backdrop to just how terrible people can be to each other and like the dynamics of trying to survive in this world with like limited resources and um, dwindling, dwindling trust among everybody. It just, it's fantastic drama. Great show. Great, great story. Um, yeah, it's great, awesome. great, 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 great way to handle zombies. So nice. Yeah. That wasn't mine, but that's a good one. Um, my number two is the landmark highest achievement of cinema with horror. The Scream franchise. That's my. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it is not, is it? Is it? Adam? It was on my list. It's it's. it's uh, okay. Scream is great, Jason. Come on. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. I haven't watched the TV show that I keep seeing on Netflix, but I've, all the films are just. Mm. All the films? Are you serious? Uh, yeah, I was about I, to I say. Uh, I love all the films. I love uh, one through four. Really? Four, four wasn't Great. like 
anywhere near as great, but like having everybody come back instead, just like seeing the cast again, it just mm-hmm. was, it was worth the trip. I, I, I think the first movie alone is, is yeah, good. Yeah, like the, the first, first yeah, movie the first is all you need. need. I think two is just kind of a celebration of how ridiculous it is. And then three, it just, you know, goes even more, but four, four is kind of goofy in a lot of ways, but I'm so excited I think, so any, I think anybody who like grew up watching those slasher flicks and stuff like that, right. um, kind of gets the, the the humor of scream but also i mean it's there's some creepy parts when, you, when you're younger and you watch it it's pretty scary but um it's kind of just like this strange love letter to slasher flicks yeah <laughs> when i was a teenage boy there was nobody in the world that was hotter than nev campbell in that movie oh my god oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sydney okay uh, number, mike number two did you weed through all of the already yeah. mentioned ips um so this one was a pretty seminal movie for me as like a horror movie watcher. Cause I was not a huge horror fan as a kid. I did watch the shining a lot, but I would always cover my eyes whenever like the little twins would show up. Um, twins are creepy, man. What's wrong with twins? Oh, yeah. Come on. <laughs> no, I, you know, when, when they're like hacked up twins on the floor. <laughs> so uh, That's one of the best. That's right. <laughs> so for me, it's uh, the evil dead franchise. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, that show was so good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, and even taking away Ash versus Evil Dead, um, Evil Dead One, I think I saw after I saw Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness, which I know is like kind of the Evil Dead journey for a lot of mm. people. Evil Dead One is a pretty serious, like low budget horror movie. It's very yeah. terrifying. There's some horrific stuff with like trees and such. Yeah, bizarre uh, stuff. With yeah, trees. bizarre. Um, but Evil Dead Two, I think was the first thing that really hooked me into the idea of like campy horror and like Mm. gore as so over the top that you kind of stop seeing it as a horrific element and start seeing it as funny. Oh yeah. And you know, if I, if we hadn't had evil dead, I don't think we get like something like Tucker and Dale versus evil. I don't think we get cabin in the woods. Like these movies that are some of my favorites, I don't think would ever happen without the evil dead franchise. So um, I love that one. It kind of helped me. I became more at peace with horror movies because of the like ridiculous joy in horror of those movies. And like, you're laughing one minute and then like screaming the next. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's definitely taught me where nowadays when I watch horror movies, I'm usually laughing at things because of movies like that. It just like kind of rewired my brain to make it funny and not scary. (laughs) Uh, Brady stole my number two. Uh, oh. As a teenager, it is Scream. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to punk out. I'm not going to be like, oh, I need a different one now. <laughs> uh, no, it, it, a solid number two. The whole meta thing, obviously, the rules. Oh, it's amazing. Of, you know, and the, you know, the white chick is supposed to run and all kind of stuff. Um, I will mention Scary Movie. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Keenan Ivey Every Way In's um, parody. That's a those, smart film. It's a smart were, film. Those were usually really dumb. But like the fact that Scream was kind of built as a meta, yeah. able to kind of like meta the meta and kind of like get into a conversation with each other. Mm-hmm. At, scary movie, not, not scary, but <laughs> redoing some of the stuff. And like, I just felt like, you know, for all this like stupidity of, of Wayne's Brothers movies, that one is about as, as Brady was saying, as smart as uh, you're going to get in terms of commentary and yeah. you know, funniness and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think Scream it's quality film. Scary movie. Yeah, scary movie three was fantastic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> that was Eject. the one with Charlie Sheen, right? Eject. Where is it? <laughs> that was the one that parodied the sign, the signs yeah. a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. that was. Uh, we had some each other's dinner. Horrendous. <laughs> 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 All right, Adam, is yours? Is your number one Resident Evil? No, I actually had I had that as a close one. Nobody actually got the t- my top one, which is actually interesting because it's not really like a horror 
it's strange because it's more of a new thing. It's something I, I've recently experienced, and it's like probably the, one of the best horror experiences I've ever had. And that was the Netflix show uh, Haunting of Hill House. Yeah, I'm that's not, amazing. It, it, it's, it's fantastic. Like something about that show gives me this nostalgic vibe of this family moving into this house, like classic horror movie setup, you know. But the way the show handles all of the horror, it's so creepy. Like even creeped me out. And I thought yeah. I was kind of immune to that these days. It elevates but, the whole genre. I think it's just, it goes beyond just horror, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really creepy too. <laughs> it's, it's creepy in an artistic way. Like, yeah. I mean, and you want to watch it and it's like, yes, it's creepy, but it, you just, it's something every, I think everybody should see it. It's just really well done. Great acting. The, the kids, it's, it's got a, the kid from E.T. is the dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got a weird empathy to the horror. It's like it's kind of like this horror that you want to understand. It's like and you're, the, you're the characters and you want to understand what's trying to haunt you or something. It's it's so weird and crazy. And yeah, I, I think the haunting of Bly Manor is like the season two of it or whatever that's coming out this so. month or whatever. But yeah, it's if you haven't seen it yet on Netflix, you watch that show. It's it's great. Um, nice. My wife wouldn't watch it with me, uh, especially at night. I, she did watch it, but it had to be doing it during the day. She doesn't like horror, um, but it's it's great great horror great horror show haunting so, hill house yeah so i, I am gonna punk out because my one was definitely resident evil yeah, but, sorry, I, but i no it's fine it's fine because I, I i am like just no, i i absorb i just consumed that franchise all through my teenage years sure. and i still love it and everything but i still i think i want to bring some more horror to the table just for the viewers so i'm going to also sure. mention another honorary mention um is it both the novel yes. and the new book the new movies are just incredible incredible that was on my list that was yeah. on my list it's like both <laughs> chapter one and two 20 for adam my god <laughs> just, give, just give him the floor <laughs> i just had to i keep having to cross stuff off <laughs> <laughs> that is the hardest that anyone has ever worked as a guest on my podcast <laughs> my god thank you so much <laughs> yeah i think uh, i think the the new films i mean the, the old tv made for tv show back in the day with tim curry everyone always like raves about how amazing he was as pennywise I love Tim Curry, but he was, I think it was awful. It's Pennywise. It was not what I expected from like, not what I wanted out of the book. You know, it's just when you read the book, it's not what you see. It's kind of this goofy, like broad daylight type stuff. But, sure. um, but yeah, the movies, I think, I forget the guy's name. Bill Skarsgård was the guy that played Pennywise. He, God, he's so, he's in that new show, Castle, um, Castle Rock that they're yeah. doing, which is also would be on my list if I was in like a top 10 or something. But, you can just say Stephen yeah. King. Stephen King, yeah. But, right. but yeah, the, the It movies, I, I love the book. As much as I love the book, I think the movies are even better Man, than those two movies. The way, just the subtle things that he does in that movie where he like, he like drools very subtly when he's like talking just to kids. Slobbering like, like, I want to so eat good. this kid so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for somebody to mention it. Yes. <laughs> cool. All right. It's, it's, uh, Mike, it's Michael's fault. Cause it would have been Resident Evil. Who wasn't yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know this is like not my number one necessarily. Cause I'm just kind of cobbling this list together. I'll throw out a few good things. The least that, sh- that anyone has ever worked as a guest on my podcast. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There Michael you go. Kelly right there. I love um, to be at average. I love to be average. So. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll throw out a few recommendations. Uh, Rec, R-E-C, that's a Spanish horror movie, uh, like found footage, incredible, but very disturbing and very graphic. So just be aware of that. Uh, one you can watch on Netflix, I think. Yeah, I think it's a Netflix original that is excellent is Hush. Any of you guys see yeah. Hush? Yes. Oh, no, um, I, I think I've seen a trailer for it, but I haven't watched yeah, it's, it. It's, it's pretty amazing. Like, uh, it's almost only two characters the entire movie. Oh, uh, cool. The main female lead is uh, deaf, and it's just re- amazing what they do with sound in that movie. Like, really great one. But the one I'm going to end with, because I think uh, it's one I show to my film students all the time, and it's one that I'm allowed to show to them because uh, of ratings being fun. And it's also not 
as intense. So people like looking for a horror movie that is pretty freaky, but also has like really good familial messages and is not too disturbing if you talk through it. Uh, the Poltergeist series, specifically oh, yeah. Poltergeist uh, 1 and 2. I love uh, those, yeah. Poltergeist 2 I watched on repeat as a kid. Like it was on TV more than Poltergeist 1. Uh, I'm still like haunted in my dreams by the reverend character singing quietly to himself. Like it shouldn't be scary. It's just an old guy, like nice looking guy, like singing like nice little songs, like hymns to himself. But man, it freaked me out. And then uh, Poltergeist One is an almost perfect movie. Like it's beautiful and oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And in both like the themes of like familial distress and uh, alcoholism in the second one, and like how they deal with it and how they kind of bring the horror elements into it, it's great. And actually, I'll just throw out one more. Uh, the Babadook. That's one oh, from... Oh, uh, Babadook. God, that was so good. Yeah, I think it's so New Zealand or Australia. But uh, now, if you're a parent like me, just be a little careful because yeah. it's going to mess you up. But it's an amazing, amazing film. So it's it's incredible, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, my number one, I went childhood, then I went teenager. And this one is a recent one. And I'm very surprised. I was actually... I, was, I thought you were going to mention it in your litany of movies there. Um, but Get Out. Oh, God, oh right. man! Oh, yes, was yes. my number one. So good for many reasons. I mean, just the cinema, cinematically, and you know all the different tropes and everything. But like, you know, I am a minority. <laughs> I am not black, but I am a minority, and I have had the experience, especially when I was a younger, because I got like a lot of scholarships. So I'd like get invited as the minority to like you know white people's you know benefactors' houses and stuff. And ooh, look, look at what your money's doing. You're kind of saving these people, and you know, so like, uh, and I you know kind of be paraded around a little bit. And it's like I'm getting an education, so I got got to kind of be subjected to this. So just the going into these people's houses under those auspices, like rich houses, and like you can't even believe what's going on. And there's like you can't describe the dread. Yeah, you know that like I don't belong here, you know, and like they they took it to like seven other levels. Like, okay, not only do you not belong here, they're going to slice you up and eat you, and you know, do all sorts of crazy things to you and enslave you and all this other stuff. But like, they kind of they use that movie to encapsulate a very particular feeling uh, yeah. that minorities feel, like you know, that uncomfort, and that's what horror is. Horror isn't the slasher movie. Horror, well, I mean, it is, but like the soul of horror is that discomfort. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah, I'll never, I'll never ever, I'll, I know I'll never ever feel what you're describing, but I feel like that movie is probably the closest I'll ever get, which is why I think that movie was so damn effective because I felt like I could understand like right. the analogy there that they were trying to do. And it was, it's, it was so good. Just, just that scene alone where he's standing outside and that dude starts sprinting toward him out of nowhere. <laughs> Just, I was like, "What is going on?" <laughs> this is so crazy. Well, but, no, I think, I, but Bradley Whitford was the perfect cast for that yeah, that yeah. creepy guy too. Oh my god! <laughs> well, that, and that, that's what I was going to say um, uh, when we discussed Get Out in my film class. Uh, the thing that I think is like the genius move of it, and a few movies have done this recently, is they don't take what might be seen as the easy road and make it overtly like right. highly racist in like mm-hmm. kind of a a traditional sense people. They're yeah, like it's not the like, well know, a guy meaning... in a pickup truck with a shotgun yeah. saying, right. you know, right. N-word, N-word, you know. Yeah, right, it's, it's right. not like deliverance. It's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's well-meaning white people who, you know, w- would have voted for Obama a third term. <laughs> as, as <they laughs> I, I was going to say that quote. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, like I think uh, this is kind of getting into my educational background, and I'm sure, Jason, you deal with all this kind of stuff too, but like getting into uh, trying to ed- educate my students on like anti-racism and – and sorry, Jason, you, this is shelf stories. You, you talk about this kind of stuff. It's okay, right? Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, getting into like anti-racism and, and not viewing racism as overt, like 
acts, but as microaggressions and as like the atmosphere we create for people and silencing them. And hey, on that note, let me stop talking and let Jason finish his point. Right. <laughs> Talk over the minority. <laughs> I let me tell you how you feel here. I'm breaking my own damn thing here, so you go ahead. <laughs> I, I don't know, just like that, I mean, I was saying before about the feeling of discomfort, right? And there's, there, you can play out that discomfort in like a violent way. You can play it out in like, you know, I'm going to eat you. I'm the clown that's like drooling and about to eat you and everything. But then there's just like the discomfort of I don't belong here. And like these very nice people are trying, you know, very, very nice. I can't talk about these people. I can't like call the police on them or anything. They're just really nice. Uh, but I don't belong here. Right. You know, and, and playing up that dread so much and like layering on that whole like kind of face switching thing. It was just, you know, it was, it was a brilliant movie. Um, and I can't wait. Like, like uh, I haven't started. Um, what's the HBO show now? The, oh, Lovecraft, the, Country. Lovecraft Country. I have not started it. Uh, how, what's the uh, review on that? Uh, I was actually going to bring I, that I up. Personally, I personally am like just that. mesmerized by it. That was on my list, actually. I was like, oh, this is kind of new, and I'm not done with it yet, but it's definitely really good. Um, it's a, a very good take on typical Lovecraft stuff. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's that period mm -hmm. where these, it shows how, you know, black people lived in this time period and what they had to deal with. Um, but they're also throwing in this, this horror or something like that, but then they have to face it. They're the ones standing up and taking care of it. Um, it's just really, really yeah, interesting show. And, it's much more like overt, overt, like what you're saying yeah. that Get Out's not overt. This is much more overt, but there's still these subtleties of like taking those like overt racist topics and everything and layering it with the whole like, you know, the Lovecraft mythos and everything and like this whole cosmic horror aspect. Um, but it, it just, it translates so well because they're just like kind of these mirror images of each other in, in different ways. But every episode is just, every episode makes the show better and better. It just, it's it's been yeah, an incredible. Yeah, I will admit that like the third episode, I was kind of like, uh, I don't know what's going on, and then immediately after that, every episode after that has been more and more interesting. Like it's been better and better. The so. cast is just the cast is so good, so good, mm -hmm. such a good cast. Lots of horror over here, and we didn't even mention like the the classic slasher films. We didn't even mention yeah. the Friday the Thirteenth and the Halloween. Uh, yeah, I almost put a Halloween in for my yeah. Nightmare and, on Elm Street. Nightmare. <laughs> I, li I like Nightmare. That I, one I like was all revolutionary, those. Right. <laughs> but but I mean, yeah. Halloween was probably my top one of like the the classic slashers. Just uh, mm -hmm. especially the I also, original. One that also doesn't get talked about a lot, but is like the Silence of the Lambs um, sure. and oh, the yeah. Red Dragon stuff like that. Like that's really cool. Like psychological horror stuff like that. I watched the new um, the sh that it was not new, but that show from like 2016. Was it called Red Dragon or was it called Hannibal? Hey, Hannibal, yeah, Hannibal with uh, with what's his name, uh, uh, Danish guy or whatever. Uh, you he's know. the guy that he's the guy, the bad guy from Doctor Strange, whatever his name. Yeah, is. <laughs> <laughs> but he's okay. uh, he's a fantastic Hannibal lecter. Um, Ma Ma Mads Mickelson, Mads Mickelson. That sounds that sounds it. right. I'm gonna take your <laughs> word. We're gonna go with that. I'm pretty sure, right? <laughs> yeah, I watched that show and then maybe go back and watch Silence of the Lambs and Red Dragon with Edward Norton and stuff like that. Um, and that whole like kind of setting is really great horror like you know the psychological uh where this 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 psychiatrist is basically committing all these awful acts and he's mr mr nice guy he invites people over to dinner and he feeds them his kill <laughs> just like so it's so dark <laughs> when i almost mentioned uh the living dead franchise and especially night of the living dead and dawn of the dead um i mean night of the living dead is still uh i think it's crazy. Like when I show my students that one and I'm like, this came out 
<laughs> so long before you would think you would have a black like male lead in a yeah. movie, you know, and like have uh, the hick cops, spoiler, skip ahead <laughs> for 30 seconds. Like the, the you know, like the, these Southern cops kill him in the end, like in this like meaningless act that yeah. just like is lingered on, like, it blows their mind. They're like, man, they wouldn't have made this movie like 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to shout that one out too. Uh, this is the Sadler brothers. They, you see, they have steeped themselves in all this, you know, content, it's books, it's movies, it's lore, it's D and D it's all these like IPs that have been, ba- you know, the Sadlers are thematic designers, you know, like they, it, it, they've designed thematic games. You're not going to get too many abstract, uh, <laughs> if anything (laughs) from these gentlemen and they bring all of that stuff into the design of dire alliance so if you made it this far thank you guys very much uh saddlers thank you so much michael kelly thank you so much for taking the time um anything else any any other parting words about the game or anything else no just thanks for having us on appreciate it it's been a blast it's always fun always fun to talk to you guys and uh talking horror and games you know we work on it's all fun it's all fun thanks thanks for having us So I hope you enjoyed that shelf story. Uh, This is Jason reminding you that if you can change your mind, you can change the world. So until next time, later, everybody. Bye. Kablamo. Blam. Blam, blam, blammo. (laughs) Thanks for joining us for another episode of the One Stop Co-op Shop podcast. Check out our YouTube channel at One Stop Co-op Shop. If you want to join in our discussion, join us on Discord, where you can join us live through chats or play games with us. You can also support us at patreon.com slash one stop or leave us a review on iTunes. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week with another top five list.